This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. I told you at the top of the show, lobster fishing season underway in Nova Scotia. That's not why we're talking to Ryan Delahanty today for the Atlantic Regional Report, but it's worth keeping in mind that the fishermen are working hard out there on the waters today. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Morning, Dave. How are you today? I'm well. Nice to chat with you, Ryan. You've got a couple stories here, and one of the first ones is about dementia and driving. There have been a couple media reports digging into the balance between personal autonomy and public safety. The Dementia Roadmap website is highlighted in some of the media that's been going around recently. What's the purpose behind the Dementia Roadmap website? So much like how people who drink and drive struggle to gauge their own level of intoxication, uh, it can be incredibly tricky for anyone diagnosed with dementia to accurately determine when it's no longer safe for them to continue driving. And in a place like PEI, where there's little traffic, many lonely rural roads, it's easy to underestimate the danger to others and think maybe it's only your life you're putting at risk if uh, the call is a little bit questionable. And so uh, people do often mourn the loss of their driver's license more than the dementia diagnosis itself, as it can dramatically decrease one's independence and really have a major impact on your daily routine. Um, it's been known for patients to get very upset. Some may try to game the medical system by firing their family doctor that raised the issue in the first place. And uh, it can be a very awkward subject for families to broach. Uh, oh, something yeah. if you want to talk about, especially if you're maybe just catching up with an older relative over the holidays. How many eggnogs? Do I take your keys? Um, and so two doctors with decades of experience in gerontology hope that their driving and dementia roadmap website will make this process easier, both for those with dementia and those trying to help them. It, it, it's, as you mentioned, a very complicated question that medical professionals and families are grappling with, much in the same way that we're, that we're trying to figure out when somebody could move out of their home or should move out of their home into a more assisted living facility. It's, it's, it's a very, very complex question loaded with potholes. So how does this particular roadmap work? The website's organized to guide people through the process uh, of a decision to stop driving from the perspective of healthcare providers, family or friends, or the person, person with dementia. Through a series of questions, patients and the people close to them can learn to identify the signs that the disease is beginning to impair driving. These would be things like uh, difficulty staying in your lane or maintaining a constant speed, trouble with left-hand turns. Somebody may start slowing down at a green light, though they recognize they're at a traffic signal they're slower to process whether the light is green or red. Uh, geriatrician Gary Nagley told CBC Island Morning host Laura Chapin that driving is one of the most cognitively demanding things that any one of us do on a very regular basis. Uh, dementia is often in moderate to severe stages when first diagnosed, and they find that driving skills are impacted even in mild cases. So once you're diagnosed, it's it's probably already having a significant impact. And the hope is that by involving the patient more in the process, this website can make that decision easier, help ease the emotional toll involved in recognizing there is an emotional side to all of this, and uh, also help to get dangerous drivers off the road sooner. Drivinganddementia.ca, drivinganddementia.ca is the website. Ryan, are there any other resources that you suggest people look into? 
That seems to be the primary one. They do also uh, have a live event coming up this Thursday, and that's being hosted by I, Jerry Care, with the creators of the app. So that's a great opportunity for folks to learn more, probably ask any questions you may have. And the easiest way to find that event is by visiting their website, I-J-E-R-I-C-A-R-E dot healthhq dot ca, and then go to their events section for that upcoming Driving and Dementia Roadmap live stream, and that'll be Thursday, December 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern to Atlantic over YouTube streaming. Ryan, because this is the last week of live broadcast before we take an extended holiday hiatus to uh, launch a new studio and a new control room, I find myself saying goodbye and happy holidays to a lot of folks in the segments uh, today and this week in general. So you've got one last holiday-related story out of uh, homeless shelters in Fredericton, New Brunswick that are trying to do something a little bit different with Advent calendars. So what are they doing? Uh, Fredericton Homeless Shelters are reaching out to the public looking for donations of reverse Advent calendars for the holidays. Unlike your usual 25 daily treats leading up to Christmas, a reverse Advent calendar is empty at the start of December. And then every day, a small item like a snack or toiletry is added. Then for Christmas, the shelters will distribute these to uh, people in need through various community organizations. So... Is is there a is there an example that another jurisdiction is using on this front, or is this a totally original idea? The person that was interviewed by CBC New Brunswick, uh, Vanessa Foss, who is project manager at Fredericton's Homeless Shelters, said this is the first year that they've been offering something like this, doing the reverse Advent calendar program, um, and that shelters are always looking for more ways to get people involved in giving back. And once they put this idea out there, they got instant traction from the community and uh, really started to take off. Uh, I have seen some similar projects like this over the years. Uh, for AMI this week, our bureau team in Halifax had done a story on the Halifax Shoebox Project for women's shelters. Um, CBC traced the advent calendar concept back to Calgary-based food writer Julie Van Rosendahl and her son, who have completed a reverse advent calendar every year since 2015. For them, they take two empty wine boxes, which have 12 empty compartments each, add a new gift every day before Christmas. And these are uh, boxes that held wine bottles, just in case you think you need to chug two boxes of wine in order to participate. (laughs) And uh, they love the concept as you don't need to have a lot of money yourself to give back. Simple things like socks, underwear, toothbrushes, small items you might pick up at the dollar store or while grocery shopping can be a tremendous help. Yeah, even uh, things like a pack of gum. Uh, you talk to some folks, they'll say it can make a huge, huge difference. Uh, Ryan, you may have just shared a couple tips there, but any any advice on some of the media you've consumed here about uh, folks putting together their own box or putting together their own advent calendar? Uh, They said that uh, in Fredericton, they were encouraging the community to drop off these completed reverse advent calendars at the shelters on Christmas Eve, as the holidays are always a time of celebration at the shelters. Uh, But in Calgary, Van Rosendahl said that uh, she's not in a rush to drop it off on Christmas Eve. There is a a need year-round, especially in sort of the drop-off that many people experience after the holidays. So, you know, get started on the wine or repurpose another box or container, and don't sweat if it's not done before Santa makes his rounds it'll still be appreciated after boxing day or in 2023 yeah the need is a year round no doubt about that one so uh, not trying to just focus yourself on december 24th can uh, take a little bit of stress off your shoulders and maybe even be uh, beneficial to some of the shelters to make those donations in uh, january or february elsewhere in the year uh ryan i'm going to leave you with this our daily poll question 
at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. We have folks flocking to the Mauna Loa volcanic eruption in Hawaii as tourists. Ryan, as a tourist, would you visit an active volcano? Uh, maybe. It depends on how content I am in my proper life. I might risk it. Uh, I don't know if it would be a huge draw for me if I'm happy and doing well. I might. There's a lot of other places on my list, but... Uh... Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> a little closer to no. A little closer to no <laughs> on that one. Uh, Ryan, all the best to you and yours over the holidays, and hope you guys enjoy uh, some a safe lobster fishing season out there as it gets opened up in Nova Scotia. And we'll talk to you, sir, in 2023. Thank you. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.